Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Shore Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm so thrilled that you have decided to tune in this week. I certainly hope that today's message will be both encouraging to you, but also I pray that it will be convicting. You can find out more about our church by visiting www.myesbc.net. God bless you and look forward to seeing you soon at church. Thank you, Brittany, Tony, and choir. Do you stand amazed in Jesus? Do you? I, uh, a moment of honesty, I feel a lot of complaints about music from various people, church music in particular. And one of the the most popular complaints I get is that we sing the same verse over and over again on these modern choruses. And uh, I understand that. I get that. But I have this little philosophy uh, or, or idea, I guess, that, um, man, until we start living what we're singing, why don't we just keep singing it until we really get it and let it sink in? And I, I, I think about my own life. There's a lot of stuff that I sing, and it still hasn't sunk in yet. And so perhaps some of these people who write these songs know the human condition and know that sometimes it takes us more than once or twice to get the point. And so I'm so thankful for Tony and for our choir and our musicians. They do an excellent job of leading us in worship each and every week. So thank you. Yeah, you can. Plus, I'm the youth pastor. I only do this like twice a year, so I can get away with saying it, and you getting mad at me. That's fine. Stuart can't really do that, so I'm going to do it for him today. Seven or eight years ago, Candace and I were living in a place called Forest, Mississippi, if you're not familiar with your Mississippi geography, which, why would you be? Uh, Forest is about halfway, uh, halfway between Jackson and Meridian on I-20, and we served there for about five years, and we were in a house there. It was a house that was built in the, in the 1960s, and had, uh, I think I've told stories about this house before, lovely olive green uh, kitchen appliances and wood paneling, but it was uh, a house that... Uh, we could afford, kind of, uh, as a newly married couple in our first place of ministry there in Forest. And there were a lot of interesting things about this house, but uh, one interesting thing that was probably more interesting than any other happened one day. I think it was on a Thursday because I was home by myself. That was my day off. I was doing some stuff around the house, and I walked into our bedroom, and I, I heard something in the bathroom. It sounded like an animal in the bathroom. Oh, we had a cat, so I assumed it was the cat. So I walked into the bathroom and realized that the sound was coming from underneath the sink in the cabinet that was underneath the sink. I said, oh, the cat has gotten in the cabinet. And so I reached down to let the cat out and open the door, and a possum hisses at me from underneath. This is a true story. You probably knew it was true because it's a Mississippi story. But just so you know, Alabama is just Mississippi's twin to the right, okay? We're pretty much all the same. Don't get yourself, uh, you know, too far ahead of what's going on here. There's a possum inside this cabinet, a real-life hissing possum with oak leaves and pine straw that it had made a little nest in my master bathroom in my home. And so, obviously, I quickly shut the door to the cabinet, shut the door to the bathroom, and locked Mr. Possum in the bathroom. Russ Wood's loving this story because he thinks Alabama is so much better than Mississippi. 
He's over there cracking up. All right. Bear Bryant would have never coached in Mississippi. All right. That's what he's thinking to himself. All right. There's a possum in my bathroom, and so I'm thinking, I can't shoot the possum in my bathroom. That's not going to go over well. So I did what anybody would do, really. I went to the garage. I think I got a laundry basket on my way to trap said possum, but I also fashioned myself a spear out of an old mop handle, I think. <laughs> so I went back in the bathroom after thinking about what, how I was going to do this for a few minutes. Walked in the bathroom, shut and locked the door behind me as if the possum could reach up and unlock the door, Kevin. <laughs> and uh, decided I was going to do battle with Mr. Possum there in the bathroom. Well, I opened the door and stuck Mr. Possum, but he ran back through the hole in which he came. So he didn't come through the front door, but Mr. Possum had come through the next bathroom and come through the drain where the tub in the next bathroom drained underneath the house. See, this house had foundation problems because it was built on this stuff called Yazoo clay which expands and contracts due to heat and humidity and cool weather and all that kind of stuff. And so over time, if your house is built on Yazoo clay, the, that slab will shift and break and crack and move around. And so there were holes all around the outside of our house where uh, the owners before us had had jacks put in to balance out and even out this foundation. And so Mr. Possum had crawled through one of these holes where the jacks went and climbed up the drain where the bathtub was, the hole around the drain, and made himself a cozy little nest in Josh and Candace's master bathroom. I never saw Mr. Possum again. Um, I don't know if he died under the house. Uh, we, uh, not too long after that, moved out of that house. So who knows? He may still be living in there. I don't know. But foundations are pretty important, right? On your house, you need a solid and firm foundation. We all know this to be true. But a poor foundation not only led to cracks in the walls and cracks in the floor of our house, but also led to a possum getting in our house, something I never thought would happen. Today, I want us to look at a story, a parable that Jesus tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a story that he uses to really drive home the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Again, this is how Luke concludes and Matthew concludes the Sermon on the Mount. It's a cautionary story of foundations. I want us to read that together starting in verse 46 out of the English Standard Version. It should be on the screen for you. Luke 6, 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And then when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Let's pray together this morning. Father, uh, I pray this morning that as we read your word, as we try to glean insight from what you said some 2,000 years ago, God, I pray that you would remove me from the equation, and God, that my words would be few, God, 
and that we would focus on you, who you are and what you have for us this morning. God, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. So in this story, we find two different men, right? Jesus uses this story, a comparison and a contrast to these two men. We're going to see in just a few minutes that these men had a lot of things in common, but there were also some key differences. And that's what I want us to look at in just a minute is the similarities of these two men, but also the the differences. Because I think in this room, there are a lot of us who have a lot in common, but there are also a lot of differences in this room. And Jesus speaks to those, those differences, but also those things that we have in common. But before we get too far into the, the lives and the stories of these two men, I want us to look at a key truth from this scripture. It's very simple, okay? There's a big difference between knowing and doing. Right? There's, a, there's a big difference between knowing something and doing something. In a little while, when we get to the differences, we'll see that there's a, a big difference between being wise and being foolish. And a lot of it has to do with this difference between having knowledge and being able to accurately apply that knowledge. And so these two men, we're going to see, have a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. But what it all boils down to for us as 21st century Christians, especially following the, the, the key teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, is there's a big difference in knowing and doing. Students, you're about to start school, right? Some of you will start tomorrow. Some of you will start Wednesday. Others of you may have started. Some of you may be homeschooled and your mom wouldn't even give you a summer break. Good grief, mom. All right? But there's going to be a big difference in knowing and doing coming up in school, right? What happens when you take that first uh, algebra test, that first geometry test, and you fail it? (laughs) But but Miss So-and-so, I knew all the stuff. I just didn't do well in the test. All right, what's she going to say? Sorry, better luck next time, right? Better do better on the next test. Right, but mom and dad, I, I studied for that test. I knew everything on the test. When it got time for the test, I just, I'm just not a good test taker, right? Which is true, some of us aren't good test takers. But unfortunately, in school, that's how we measure knowledge, is being able to take the knowledge, synthesize it, and then put it back into practice, And so Jesus is reminding us, coming off the Sermon on the Mount, he's been teaching the greatest sermon in history. And he's given us a ton of information, and Stuart has walked through that for the last several months. And Jesus says, hey, listen, there's a lot of you that have heard what I have to say, but now will you do what I've had to say? And for us this morning, The same question is being asked, and we'll circle back to that in just a second. But I want us to look at these two guys, okay? These two guys that that Jesus talks about. Let's read this one more time and then jump into a few things that they had in common. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. And he gives the example of the first man, okay? So here's our first of two men. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock, And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Dude number one. Now, dude number two, verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. So when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this story before. All right, let's be honest. Most of you have heard this story a thousand times. I'm not going to tell you anything new that you didn't know about. I'm not going to break down some Greek participle that you didn't know meant X, Y, or Z. I'm just 
going to have a real conversation with you for the next few minutes. Is that okay? As we kind of maybe get past ourselves for a few minutes and look at the truth of what Jesus has to say. So what do these guys have in common? I think they had three things in common, okay? The first is they had the same dream. They had the same dream. These guys dreamed of building a what? House. Yes. Okay, you're smart. You can read it. It says house right there. All right? The Greek word for house means house. You're good. They had a dream of building a house. Has anyone ever built a house before? All right? Like either literally with your hands or you have paid a contractor to build it. Either one will suffice. All right? You have built a house. Was that a fun process? Exciting? Eh. Peaks and valleys, right? Okay. Highs and lows. But we've all, we've all at least had a dream of building a house, right? How many of you watch HGTV? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You've had that Chip and Joanna Gaines dream house going on in your head. If JoJo could just get a hold of this house with some shiplap, everything would be great, right? Yeah, you've been there. Fellas, you've had to watch it too. I know. I have to. We, we all have dreams. These guys had the same dreams. And how do we know this? Because they both built a house, okay? There's nothing dissimilar in that. They, they both set out to build a house, and they built a house, okay? So Jesus says these two guys are, are, are similar in that guy number one, guy number two, they both had a dream to build a house. Now, those of you who have built a house, how many of you, when you were drawing up plans or getting an architect to do, do plans and all that kind of stuff, how many of you were hoping that your house would fall down one day? Anybody? No. Everybody wants to build a good house, Right? The best house that you can build, structurally sound, right? You don't want the, the first stream or wind or wave or rain to come through and knock your house down, right? Especially down here, you're not, you're not hoping that uh, hurricane so-and-so comes down and blows your house down the year after you build it, right? You're not hoping that it attracts termites that chew through your house. You're not hoping that just one day it just collapses uh, while you and the family are hanging out inside. We all have the dream to build the best house imaginable. And church, I want to tell you that these two guys, they didn't set out to build sorry houses. They wanted to build good houses. They had that in common. But the word house here, it it means more than just house. It has more of a meaning than that, right? Jesus is trying to speak deeper truth into the lives of his audience there at the Sermon on the Mount. And so, when we think about the word house, we can also think about the word life. These two men set out to build their lives. Good lives, right? None of us wants to build a bad life, right? How many of you ever just sat and thought, I'd really just want to waste my life? That sounds like fun, right? If I could just be the best person ever at wasting my life, that would make me happy. Right? No, we all want a good life, right? We all do. We share that in common. These two guys shared that in common. No one sets out to build a failed home or a failed life or a wasted life. Today was promotion Sunday in Sunday school. Look, I know if you're an adult, you don't promote. I get it. Your Sunday school group just gets older and older and older. 
And Josh has to come in and build new Sunday school classes that are younger and younger, and we just keep the cycle going. I get it. So it's not Promotion Sunday for a lot of you, but for this crew over here and our children who went off to Children's Church, it's Promotion Sunday today. So we got some new seventh graders. I love getting new seventh graders. They're excited. Some of them are a little terrified. That's okay. Um, in a few years, they'll be, they'll be okay with it, right? If we get them through middle school, they'll be good. But we got some new seventh graders today. And never when I meet a seventh grader and I talk to them and talk about where they're going to school and what activities they're involved in, none of them ever say, hey, Josh, my name's such and such. I'm in seventh grade. I go to Daphne Middle School, and I just want to exist for the next six years. I just want to exist. I just want to take up some space. Now, they may do that practically, but that's not what they set out to do, right? It's not what they set out to do. I've never had one come and tell me that. Now one next week, just to be funny, we'll do that, but that's what middle schoolers do. Think they're funny, but they're not. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But none of them just want to exist and take up space. They want their life to have meaning and purpose and significance. They want to matter, right? They want to be involved and included. They want to have friends. They want to have relationships. They want to be loved and valued, just like you do just like I do. No one sets out to just be. Just like these guys didn't set out to just build a haphazard house. They had a dream of building a house. They had a dream of building a life. But also, it's interesting in Scripture, the word house is also used in place of the word family. Think about it, the house of David. Or you think of other examples where Scripture uses this example. The word house is substituted for family at times. None of us, right, none of us when we take our wedding vows, right, are picturing divorce. None of us are, are hoping that that marriage ends in divorce. None of us when we're raising a child hope that that child is a prodigal child. None of us has ever sat back and said, I, I know I'm raising these kids and doing the best that I can, but I really hope that one of them runs off and does really stupid stuff. We don't hope for that. We don't hope for broken marriages. We don't hope for illness or sickness to invade our house. We don't hope or pray for addiction. We set out to build the best that we can. We share that in common. These two guys in this story shared that in common. They had the same dream. And it's important for us to see that these guys were not too dissimilar in a lot of ways. Spoiler alert, there's going to be one key thing that separates the two of them, and you've probably already figured out what it is. Basically because it says it in the text. and make it up. These guys are the same in that they, they had the same dream. The same dream. To build a solid house. To build a great life. To have a great family. It's the same dreams that we all share. There's also another similarity. They heard the same doctrine. If I wasn't trying to be alliterative, I would have just said they heard the same teaching. That would be easier. But I figured I needed a few D words and doctrine made sense. They heard the same doctrine. What do you, what do you mean, Josh? These, all these people that Jesus is talking to, they all just heard the Sermon on the Mount. All of them. They all just heard Jesus Christ Son of God, God in the flesh, the greatest teacher in all of history who also happens to be God, they just sat at his feet and heard him teach about himself. Face to face, 
right? Not Stuart or Josh or whoever your favorite pastor is that you watch on TV or on the internet or whatever. Not, not them teaching, but Jesus himself physically in the flesh, standing in front of them saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. They heard Jesus himself say this. Both these guys, they heard the same teaching or the same doctrine. They had that in common. They had the same dream, but they also heard the same teaching. You know, it's funny. Most of us in here hear the same teaching each and every week. Do you know that? You all come in this room. Stuart's preaching the same message. Most of you use the same Sunday school material. You're getting the same Sunday school material. You're going to the same Eastern Shore University classes on Sunday evenings. You're going to the same women's Bible studies on Wednesday nights. Students, you're hearing the same message from the same boring youth pastor every Wednesday night. All right? I don't, that was a big sigh there. That was, that was tough to hear. Our kids are hearing the same message from, from Will and our children's ministry. We're, hearing this, we're getting the same teaching. We've got the same truth in Scripture, right? We'll have the, the, the copy of God's Word, breathed by God. We're all hearing the same thing. And yet the result of what we hear, right, out in the world, tends to look a little bit different at times. Have you ever noticed that? You could take a hundred of us out of this room. You could do this little experiment. All right, you could take a hundred of us out of this room and go watch our lives, watch our social media, watch how we interact with coworkers or our family, and you would never know that we're all hearing the same exact teaching every week. Do you know that? These guys heard the same teaching. Right? They had the same dream. They heard the same doctrine, the same teaching. They just heard Jesus say, this is how you love me, how you serve me, how you love people, how you honor the Father. And he says, but these two guys, they may have heard the same thing, but they didn't do the same thing. Church, we have a lot in common. We've got the same dream. We've heard the same doctrine and the same teaching. And we're, we've also all been hit with the same disaster. These two guys got hit with the same exact disaster. You say, well, I've, I've had things happen in my life that you haven't had happen. Absolutely true. Some of you have experienced things that I could never possibly imagine. But we are all hit with disaster in life of some kind. Trials, storms, tribulations. Desperate, dark times. These two guys that Jesus talks about here, they are hit with the exact same thing, right? They're hit with this storm. Where one house, the stream hits the storm, you would almost picture this house being built and all of a sudden this wave of water comes through and the water just breaks off this house because it is built on the rock. But there's this other house that's just haphazardly built on the sand. Matthew, in Matthew chapter seven, this same account, the parallel passage here, he goes into a little more detail on the sand and on the storm if you want to go back and read that. But this house is just built on the sand with no foundation, and what happens when the waves of water hit it? It just falls apart. But these two guys share this thing in common. 
Not only have they heard the same thing, not only did they dream the same thing, but they're hit with the same thing. But the result is, is a lot different. I gotta be honest with you. If you haven't experienced it already, you're gonna face some disaster in your life. And there are dozens and dozens of people who will attest to that. If you were here last week, you saw three different videos of three different incredibly difficult trials that people have faced. From sickness to death, addiction, rebellion, all kinds of different things that we are hit with. We share that in common. And Jesus doesn't shy away from telling us that we're going to face difficulties, that we're going to face disaster. I think it's interesting that Jesus goes through and he's very intentional about painting the picture of these two guys and how similar they are. Because I think sometimes, church, we, we come in this room and we think we're so much different than everyone else. Uh, so-and-so across the room there, they'll, they'll never understand what, I, what I've gone through. Well, maybe they haven't been through that. Maybe they don't understand it. But do you understand what they're going through or what they've been through? Or so-and-so from this generation or that generation or so-and-so uh, who's this or who's that or who's, who came from this place or that place. We're so different. Yet we, we have a lot of very unique differences. But we all dream the same dream. We all want to be successful. We all want to raise our family and, and have a great family. Right? We, none of us want to be broke and out on the street wondering where our children are, wondering what went wrong. None of us want that. None of us desire that. We all have access to the same truth of Scripture. And we're all going to be hit with something terrible. But here's where things get interesting. There's a, there's a big difference. And the last thing that we know about these men are that there are some key differences. Again, there's nothing complex about this message. Just basic truth that Jesus teaches. Yeah, they had a lot in common. They dreamed the same dream. They heard the same doctrine. They got hit with the same disaster. But there's a big difference here. Matthew's account says that one of the men was wise and one of the men was foolish. And you can guess which one was which, right? The wise man built his house on the rock while the foolish man built his house on the sand. I didn't go to Webster to look up the definition of wisdom, but this is just Josh's paraphrased definition of wisdom. This is how I think about wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of accurate information. The correct application of accurate information. See, wisdom's more than knowledge, it's more than just an accumulation of information. Wisdom is taking accurate information and then applying it correctly, right? There's a lot of really smart people in this room that have a lot of information. But it does us no good if we have all the information but don't know how to apply the information. Have you ever met one of those people that knew a lot but made terrible decisions? Right? It, it doesn't do us any good to have good information if we can't apply it. But it also doesn't do us any good to apply poor information, right? 
And so what Jesus says is, I've given you all the information. Both these guys had all the same information. And we know it was the right information because it's straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And, and you and I have all the access to this information too. Right? We have the Sermon on the Mount. We have God's word, literally God's word breathed into existence for us to get a glimpse of who he is and what he desires and demands of us. We have that information, but Jesus says, these guys had the information. One of them applied it correctly and one of them didn't. And as a result, one, his, his entire life was laid to ruin. He was crushed and destroyed by the disaster when it came, and yet the other man who had the same information applied it correctly and so his life was spared. And not only was his life spared, his life is now a testimony to all who will come after him of the power of the foundation on which he built his house, Jesus Christ. Wisdom versus foolishness. See, it all comes back to the foundation. It's where we started this morning, and it's where Jesus brings it all back. Yeah, they heard the same stuff. They dreamed the same stuff. Maybe they even believed the same stuff. They were hit with the same stuff. But the one difference was where the house was built. One dug down deep and built his house on the rock. And one said, this little patch of sand here will do fine because it'll be quicker and it'll be easier. The foundation is always where you start building a house, right? Those of you who have built a house, you don't start anywhere else other than the foundation, right? I didn't ask permission to share this story, but I won't, I won't say his name because I didn't ask. But I have a friend uh, here at church who, uh, for a short time anyway, built some houses and, and sold them or rented them. But I, I remember a story when he was building one of these houses that he went out to check after his new foundation had been poured, and the foundation... As I, if I remember correctly, it was like multiple feet out of square, right? So when, when they built this house, he didn't have a, a square foundation or a rectangular. Uh, he had like a parallelogram, a trapezoid, a rhombus. I don't even know all those shapes, but it was, it was not square. And so instead of saying, what's well, a few feet, right? You know what he had to do? He had to have that joker ripped up and rebuilt, right? He said, hey, look, dude who poured my foundation, right, while either on no sleep or under the, uh, you know, control of some other substance, right, you need to come back, rip up this foundation, and build a new one. Why? Because whatever the foundation, the condition of the foundation is going to have a drastic effect on the condition of the rest of the house, right? You always start with the foundation. Always. We know this and we believe this, right, in life in general, Right, none of us in this room, okay? Like, let's just be honest about who we are. None of us are living in some third world country where we just gotta put up uh, a shack wherever we can, okay? If you're in this room this morning, you may feel there are other people that are better off in here than you, but you're in the top 2% in the world, okay, economically. You are, if you don't realize that, then Google, Google some stuff, okay? You are, I am, okay? Sorry, that's kind of my go-to. Just Google it, all right? You'll be all right. We, okay, would never just go and build a house on bare ground somewhere, right? We wouldn't. Think about it. 
if you haven't built your, your dream house or your forever house, let's take a, a few seconds. I like to play little, uh, little Imagine If games. Let's just say that you are on HGTV and Chip and JoJo gave you an unlimited budget to build a new house. You can build whatever you want. Think about it. Think about what your house would look like. This isn't just me talking. I really want you to think. Think about your house. Guys, you don't have to talk to your wife about this one. You can, you can build your own giant man cave right now in your head. I will not tell her. Ladies, your house must include your husband, but you can make it however you want. The laundry room can be as big as you want it to be, as fancy as you want it to be, but you never even have to do the laundry. You can have somebody do that for you. Maybe him, that'd be good. As many cars can fit in your garage as you want. It can be as tall or as wide or as long as you want. You have whatever size TV you want. Just imagine, pool, no pool, I don't care. But think about it. You think about these, these great plans you have for your house. Right? You go to the architect, he, he draws up these plans, they look amazing. You pay him the thousands of dollars it costs for him to draw up these plans on a piece of paper, right? And then you, you hire your contractor, he's the best contractor in the world, he comes so highly recommended, right? And, and he's got everything all set up, he's, he's got the, the guys ready to come and frame up the house, he's got the framers, he's got the sheetrock guys, Right? He's got the roofers, he's got the plumbers, he's got the electricians, the HVAC guys are all lined up to come. He's got the landscapers. It's going to be fantastic. But it gets down to it and you start to think about the budget again. Like, oh, we could save some money on the foundation. Oh, let's just, what if we just start building the house now with no foundation? That would be good. We could save that money. It also speeds up the process. Right? No one in here would do that. So Josh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right? And we believe that when it comes to practical building stuff in life. Right? But then when it gets back to spiritual matters, uh, who needs the foundation? And if I build on the foundation, I'm kind of I'm stuck here. I don't have quite as much flexibility. I can't start to build other parts of the house without adding more to the foundation. Right? The foundation doesn't allow me to add on stuff over here, right? I have to stick with what the foundation is and says. Right, none of us would do this in real life. And yet we think that we can build our house, our lives, without Jesus as the foundation and just breeze through life. You say, I don't believe that, but practically we do. It's what we do in life. As we begin to build parts, at least compartments, of our life outside the foundation of Jesus, and then we look back and we question why the wind and the waves and the storm have knocked down our buildings. But they were built on sand the whole time. There's a pastor named Tony Evans. If you haven't ever uh, heard or read anything about Tony Evans, I would highly encourage it. But Tony Evans, and ladies, if you like Priscilla Shire, it's her daddy, so he's got to be good, right? Okay. Tony Evans says it like this, that Christians want the downtown skyscraper life, but they want to build it on a chicken coop foundation. Right? A chicken coop doesn't really require a whole lot of foundation, right? But you go into downtown of your favorite big city, and you see those skyscrapers going up and up and up, right? And you can always tell how tall a skyscraper is going to be by what? How deep they dig, right? 
you don't put up a 30-story uh, uh, building with the same foundation you put your, your house in Lake, uh, Lake Forest on, right? You got to dig down deep to support the structure. And as Christ followers, as human beings, we want that downtown skyscraper look. We want everybody to look at our foundation, our, our house and our life and our family and what we have. And we want people to see, look at what they have. But we're building it on chicken coop foundation, as Tony Evans says. And expecting to have this glorious structure on top of it. And it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that in life, and it doesn't work like that according to Scripture. So the problem with sand, it shifts, right? It's like that Yazoo clay. You never know what it's going to do. When you step on it, when you move, when the wind comes, when the rain comes, it's always moving. You say, what does that have to do with me? It has a lot to do with us, right? The slightest change in my feelings and in my beliefs in culture and society and politics or in fad or phenomenon has the potential to destroy me if my life is built on those things. If my life, church, is built on how I feel in a given moment, I'm setting myself up for destruction. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but our feelings change. What we think, even what we believe changes but the word of God is eternal. It's truth that never changes. Culture, just in case you didn't know, changes. If we build our life on what culture says, it's going to change. It's going to shift like that sand. Politics changes. Did you know that? Well, I've built my life on the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. They change. If you don't believe me, I got some history books, or you can Google that too. Politicians change. I don't know if you knew that or not. Sometimes, I don't know, I may be telling you too much here, but sometimes politicians promise things, but then they don't actually follow through on those things. And it's not specific to one party, and it's not specific to the 21st century. It's happened since the very dawn of civilization. Society changes. Culture changes. My feelings change. My opinion and my mood will change. Politics will change. Government will change. All of these things will change. They will shift. And church, if we're not careful, we're going to build our house on these things. And lo and behold, they're going to shift on us. And we're going to be left with a house that's fallen down around us. And our lives will be ruined ruined because instead of building on the rock building on the truth that is eternal we will have built on the shifting sand and the storm will have laid waste to what we have built R.T. France who is an author and biblical commentator said this about the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not meant to be admired, but obeyed. It's not meant to be admired, but obeyed. Jesus says some really cool stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. That sounds awesome. 
But maybe you're like me and you say, I'm not very good at being a peacemaker. So I'm going to let the peacemakers be peacemakers. Right? Has anybody ever felt that way? Like there are people that are better at making peace. I'm just going to be transparent with you. Stuart is a good peacemaker. He is. I'm not as good at Stuart as being a peacemaker. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. And so there are times in my life where I think, eh, let Stuart make the peace. <laughs> I'm going to stir it up a little bit. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, as the kids used to say. They don't say that anymore. But I do because I'm old, so in their eyes. And then he says stuff like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemies. And Stuart just preached a two-part series on loving your enemies, right? Which is really cool. There's a lot of really good quotes about uh, loving your enemies, right? We could, we could quote uh, Dr. King about, you know, uh, you know uh, love drives out hate, you know, uh, hate's too great a burden to bear, all these different things. We could, we could talk about all these different quotes. And then we could, we could put it up on a plaque or a picture in our office, we could post it on social media every February. But it's not just something to be admired. It's something to be obeyed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Matthew talks about being salt and light in this world. They're not just cool things Jesus said. They're commands that Jesus demands. And in order for us to build our lives, our existence on the rock, church, we've got to get past this point where we say, Jesus said some really cool stuff, and he was super awesome. And we've got to come to grips with the fact that Jesus demands these things of our life. Demands them. I know that's hard to hear, I know it's hard to hear when we say, Jesus demands something of me. Because we think meek, mild Jesus. But these are not suggestions that he's given these people. These aren't suggestions that he's giving us. Here are a few key things that might make your life a little better. It's not what he says. You know how I know that? Because in just a few chapters in Luke chapter 9, he says, if anyone would come after me, what does he say? Let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. You know what he meant by take up the cross? He didn't mean pick up a chunk of wood and walk behind him. He meant die to yourself and be prepared to die for him. That's serious business. That's not a suggestion. It's not. And there are times in my life where I admire Jesus and admire what he said and admire what he did but I have a real hard time obeying. And in order for us to build our foundation on the rock, we must obey. We must. We're in real danger, church, of saying we're one thing and living a life that is something else to a lost and dying world who is in desperate need of Jesus. You watch the news. Many of you do. You check the news on social media. You probably don't get a newspaper anymore. But you know what's happening in the world. 
I don't really care where you stand politically today. I don't, I don't care where you stand on issues of, of social anything. It doesn't really matter to me right now. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be dead honest with you. There's a world that's watching to see how we respond to the things that are happening in our world. And church, if our response is a political or a social response instead of a gospel response, they're going to look at us and think, what? These are Jesus followers, and Jesus says this, but their foundation is this. I'm not going to tell you how to feel about this social issue or that social issue or this political issue or that political issue. But what I will tell you is that Jesus demands that you be about Jesus and about people. Go back and and reread the Sermon on the Mount. It's all about following Jesus with everything that you have and loving people in the same way that Jesus does. And yet I'm afraid that as, as a church, as the church, as individual Christ followers. We're going out into the world and the way that we engage the world says the complete opposite. Not that we value Jesus, not that we value people, but that we value us, me, my comfort, my security, my prosperity. Let me just tell you, you wanna lose a generation in a hurry Go be about yourself out in the world. But you want to win a generation like I think we all do. Let's go out and be about Jesus and be about people. Fellow image bearers created in the image of God. And if we really want to know how to do that, we've all heard the same thing. It's here. Let's not build our foundation on shifting sand. This movement or that movement or this anti-movement or this anti-movement. But let's take our cue as to what we need to stand for or stand against from Scripture. And not just what we think Scripture says, but what Scripture actually says. I know that probably sounds a little preachy. But I look at this group each and every day. And church, I I see how they're influenced by us. About what we say, we believe, and what we live. And I'm telling you, they're watching it all. Like that kid that you brought up in your house watched every step that you made as a mommy or a daddy. There's a generation watching us to see how we love each other but also how we love others. And they're pretty, they're pretty quick to figure out when we say one thing here and do something else out there. And so for the, 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 the sake of the kingdom, man, let's build our foundation on the solid ground, the solid rock of who Jesus is and what he said instead of building it on some facade of what we think it ought to say. This morning, 
perhaps this idea of building something on a solid rock is completely foreign to you. Maybe you say, Josh, I've just kind of been, I've just been going through life. Yeah, I, I had a dream. Yeah, I've heard some stuff. I've been hit with disaster, but I've never built my life on that solid rock. The way to do that is to acknowledge to Jesus that you need him, that you don't have this life figured out. See, Jesus Christ came and he died for you and for me. And so we have been set free. We don't have to worry about the things of this world anymore if we're in Christ. That's why we can build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus and we don't have to worry about culture or society or politics because those things will all pass away. Yet Jesus Christ will remain forever. That solid rock is eternal. And so this morning, maybe you say, I got some real questions about how I can plant my feet on the solid rock and build my house on the solid rock. I'll be down front in just a minute. Our musicians are going to come and lead us in a time of invitation. And during that time, maybe, maybe you need to embrace Jesus for the very first time. Or, or maybe you say, hey, I want to be a part of a church that, that, that teaches sound doctrine, that points people to Jesus, that goes out and loves and serves people. I, would, I think this would be a great place for you to do that. Part of being on that solid rock is being engaged with other believers who believe God's word. We'd love to have you here. Maybe this morning you say, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, but I've never made that first step and I've never been baptized. And what a beautiful picture of John baptizing his granddaughter this morning. Perhaps this morning you say, hey, I want to make a stand because my faith is in Jesus, because I'm building my life on the rock. I want to take that first step and be baptized. You can come see me too. Maybe you just need to pray where you are this morning. Maybe you need to come and pray down front. But this morning, I just want to remind us that we are sojourners in this world. We're only here temporarily. So let us not build our hope and our security and our future on the stuff of this world, but let's build it on the eternal truth of Jesus Christ.